0: What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast for the Las Vegas Review Journal, talks about hockey. Uh, I am Ben Ghost, one year two, a Golden Knights beat Writers. Joining me on the other line is my colleague David Shane. Dave, how are you doing on this fine
1: Thursday? Good. Somebody flipped the switch on uh, summer, and made it fall. Last couple of days, beautiful weather. So, yeah. Hockey uh, hockey in the air, it feels like. I know. It's been weird, like, actually having to, like, layer up
0: a little bit when I take my lovely dog on walks in the morning. But as you said, it's good. We got hockey weather going on, which is good because we have hockey games to talk about. Not games that necessarily count yet, but still actual hockey being played that we can discuss and so much more because, of course, we're going to get into what our observations have been at Golden Knights training camp. So far on this week's episode, we're also going to talk about the Knights' first two preseason games. The team is also playing in Salt Lake City tonight, so uh, you can watch that on TNT or Channel 13 locally. But we're not going to have many takes from that game since that is happening after we record. And before we get into all that, I just want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge Podcast is brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. We are presented by Blue Wire. Uh, if you want more stuff from us, make sure to check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com because we've had stuff coming out of training camp and the preseason every day so far. Uh, and, of course, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do podcasts, please do this one because we would very much appreciate it. Uh, all right. So we're basically a week into training camp, which is kind of wild because it feels like it started both yesterday and a month ago at the same time. It's hard to wrap my brain around that. Uh, as I said, the Knights have already played two preseasons games. Their third is tonight. They have another one on a Friday before taking uh, two days off. Uh, we have so much to talk about because we're going to go over uh, lines, uh, you know, kind of the changes that the team has made young guys, uh, snakes. Yes. We're going to be talking about snakes at some point during this episode. Uh, there's a lot to go over. Um, quick things that want to start out with One, Uh, Shea Theodore and Brad McNabb haven't been seen uh, at practice the last couple days just because they both uh, left the first preseason game early. Uh, Theodore is considered day-to-day. McNabb, uh, Coach Pete DeBoris had kind of had what looked to be uh, a Charlie horse, but didn't have anything like structurally wrong. Um, So that's just something to uh, keep an eye on for at least now. Who knows? Maybe they're both playing in tonight's game. Uh, But the other thing I want to lead off with is basically the lineup and the fact that there hasn't been a whole lot of uh, changes so far. Top six still intact where you've got, you know, Max Pacioretty, Chandler Stevenson, Mark Stone on the first line. You've got the misfit line of Jonathan Marshall, William Carlson, uh, Riley Smith on the second line. The blue line is completely intact from what it was against, you know, from the team's last game against Montreal. Of course, there have been some changes in net where now you've got Laurent Brassois, uh backing up Robin Leonard. But the only real kind of skater changes is kind of the bottom six where, uh, you know, Nolan Patrick is between Matias Yanmar kind of getting And then you've got Nicholas Waugh centering uh, William Carrier and Keegan Colasar. And that's kind of what it's been since uh, essentially the first day of camp. Uh, so was there, you know, any surprises for you there, Dave? Any intrigue? Um, are you surprised at all that basically, you know, these are the lines that they've been set basically – since day one of camp, there has been a whole lot of, you know, changing or experimenting going on.
1: No, and I, you know, I don't know. It's hard for me to say without, you know, seeing a whole bunch of other training camps and, you know, having other stuff to go off of and judge off of, you know, based on other coaches. Like, I can only go off of what, you know, Pete DeBoer mm-hmm. done so far. And, yeah, like you said, it's been those 12. We haven't seen, you know, really any experimenting, maybe a little bit, you know, within a game or something like that, you know, situationally. But... I don't think it's a surprise necessarily, because I think if you were to take the roster and just write out one through 12 with the forwards, like those would be the 12. So then you slot them into their spots and go from there. I guess maybe the intrigue or, or the interesting, interesting part has been like that. We haven't seen Brett Howden at any point really with like the fourth line, we haven't seen him audition there at all, uh, or even really skate with what would be considered NHL guys. He's been with, you know, Peyton Krebs, Jack Dugan, you know, guys who you would probably peg for, you know, right on the border or Silver Knights guys, AHL guys. So, you know, maybe that's the only, I guess, surprise, so to speak, is that Brett Howden really just hasn't been given a great look in that regard. And then really, and I think we'll talk about this a little bit more. He hasn't really played his way into deserving that look at this point either, I don't think. Yeah, of course, how Knights acquired
0: from the New York Rangers for a a fourth round pick this offseason. He was kind of seen as a fourth line guy was a key penalty killer for the Rangers last season. But it doesn't appear that he's kind of worked his way up uh, into that opening 12. And he's still um, a very young guy. I believe he's uh, 23. But it does kind of seem like that 18 skater lineup, the 12 forward six defenseman, are kind of set, assuming Theodore and McNabb can recover in time for the regular season opener. You know there have been a lot of depth guys trying to compete for roles. Just talks about how, and of course, there's uh, Peyton Krebs, who we did an interview with on this podcast a couple weeks ago. Uh, Jack Dugan, uh, Dylan Coghlan has also played in both preseason games on the back end. We saw uh, Caden Korzak and Peter DeLibatori together on Tuesday. So, I mean, you've kind of touched on it, uh, Dave, but, you know, out of this kind of group of players, is there anyone who you think has significantly kind of either erased or lowered their stock or anyone that's really just kind of made a case for themselves that, you know, they do deserve a look to potentially crack that
1: 18? Well, I think it's much more so on the blue line. It feels like that's where the guys who, if there's competition and, you know, battles, for jobs and all that sort of good stuff that what they would hope to have seen at the forward group, they're seeing, I think, on the blue line. Uh, I think King Korzak has played well. I think going into kind of all of this, you would sort of figure he was at the the head of the line. If there was a number eight defenseman, it seemed like he was probably, you know, the first shot at, at, at that. He's a highly touted guy, you know, second round pick a couple of years ago and, and have some pedigree played well, you know, down in Henderson and did well at the rookie tournament. Uh, but, you know, one of the guys or a couple of the guys that have jumped out to me so far back there is, is Peter deliberatory You mentioned him now to be fair. He took a couple penalties in the last game, a uh, couple hooking penalties where, you know, he wasn't moving his feet enough and, you know, got the stick in there a little bit too much that needs to get cleaned up. But, you know, up until that point, especially for for I thought like the first two periods, he was arguably their best defenseman, certainly their most active, you know, on offense. He he ended up with five shots on goal, uh, leading the team. So I think he's done, you know, his part to to put his name in the mix. The other one that I want to mention that I really think has has elevated his stock is is Zach Hayes. Um, you know, he was a guy that was on an AHL contract, you know, last year earned an NHL contract, an NHL level contract. And, you know, I don't know how close he is right now, but I I definitely feel like he's getting closer than he was last year. Like he's a name that I think people need to be aware of and understand that he's going to be in the mix depending on the situation, you know, the call up, what they're looking for, you know, all that. He's played his way into that. He's steady Eddie. He's not going to, he's not going to wow you with offense or or anything like that when we were talking to him today. You know, he said one of the guys that he looks, you know, sort of to model his game after and, and really watches a lot of film on is is Braden McNabb. You know, he's built a lot like him. He, he plays a similar game, you know, sort of that that hard defenseman, real physical and all that. Those are the traits that that, you know, I think would come with him And instead of the flash, you know, some of the offense, you know, that you might see from from some of the other guys. But I, I really feel like especially with Jake Bischoff out injured right now, he's he he would probably be the most veteran of the group. Maybe even he would be, you know, considered at full strength ahead of Caden Korzak for a call up. You know, depending on you know the situation where things stand now, he him being not available for training camp right now, all of a sudden gives some of these other guys an opportunity, and I, I feel like Zach Hayes, especially, has been the guy who's, who's grabbed hold of it.
0: Yeah, as you mentioned, Zach Hayes is a very kind of interesting trajectory where he was a you know undrafted guy who was offered a, an AHL contract, not like an entry level NHL deal, but an AHL deal, and played his way up to by the end of last season with the Silver Knights. The Knights did actually extend him, you know, an entry level NHL deal. So we had to really kind of earn his keep. Um, but he's still a very young guy. He's twenty two years old. Um, big guy, six foot three. I mean, the McNabb comparison makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, it was funny even describing his game today, you know, you ask him kind of about the way he plays and he's like, yeah, I'm just like, you know, defensive guy. He's like, yeah, if offense comes. That's great. And I maybe try to do it through transition and everything, but yeah, my bread and butter is my defense. I'm not, you know, a flashy guy that's going to, you know, exactly a, you know, juke somebody out of their skates. And I always kind of like that with a player who's very self-aware about who he is and, and, uh, what his role would be. And I agree with you that, you know, he's got a chance to potentially kind of seize a depth role just because, you know, he and Caden Korzak, even though I think there's similar things about their games, because Korzak is also a bigger guy who, uh, ha- you know, defends very well, but Korzak's righty, Hayes is the lefty, depending on what kind of needs might arise during the course of the season, you know, maybe you just plug him in at different times. So I do think it's interesting that Hayes, has put himself in the mix, as I think, you know, Korzak has and uh, Delivertore have, if they can kind of clean up the penalties they had last game and get adjusted to kind of the speed that the NHL is played at. Um, But other than those guys, Dave, as you mentioned, kind of the forwards, there hasn't been a guy, even considering, you know, a Brett Howden, who has played plenty of NHL games in his career, that has jumped out uh, to me, at least, and said, you know, I deserve to stay up or, like, I deserve a spot. Have you kind of, you know, gotten the
1: same impression? Yeah, a hundred percent. And not just Brett Howden, but I think this is where everybody was kind of waiting for Peyton Krebs, you know, to really grab hold of something and, and force his way onto the roster, you know, make them make a hard decision. Uh, same sort of thing with Jack Dugan where, you know, you, you wanted, I think they wanted to see, you know, how close is he? Can he push for time where, you know, what sort of decisions is he going to force us into? I don't feel like, at least in the first couple games, that either of them has really kind of grabbed hold of anything and and wowed Pete DeBoer. I like his comments after the second game I found, and I'm going to use this word because he used it, you know, it was very interesting. That was a, a word that he used to describe Jack Dugan. And I almost feel like, you know, he was struggling to – find the the right adjective that he didn't want to, want to say what he really felt. Uh, and so he used the word interesting, you know, it's kind of a catch all word, you know, okay, you know, raise an eye. But, you know, he one of the things he said about Jack Dugan was when he's got the puck on his stick, you know, you see the ability, you see the playmaking. He did it on the rush in the first game, had the assist uh, for the Paul Cotter goal. But, you know, we, we talk about this in the press box. There's also, you know, the, the non-threat sh- of shooting with him. He just doesn't look, you know, to threaten the goal in that way. He's always looking to be a pass first guy. Manny Viveros has brought this up that scouting reports basically have just caught up with that. People are overplaying him on the pass because they know he's just not going to shoot. There's certain, you know, layers to his game, to use the Pete Deboer phrase that that just seems to still need to be there. The skating, the pace of play, all of that. Like, I, I don't know what you you know what we were expecting from him in camp. Like he's been on, you know, bottom six old third line. Like he hasn't really gotten you know a chance to to really skate, you know, with NHL guys. And maybe that's just you know indicative of of where he's at, sort of on the depth chart. But yeah, the, those are the two guys I think everybody's eyes were on. And can they grab hold of something? Can they you know force you know the fourth line to look different? Can they? force somebody out of the lineup on the third line and and all the sorts of things. And, and there just hasn't been that moment. You know, Peyton Krebs had a lot of puck management issues in that first game. Uh, he cleaned up a good majority of it. Pete DeBoer was complimentary of him, you know, for that. But it, I can think of one shot, one, you know, a couple chances, you know, maybe here and there. But he's just seemed to, you know, struggle to really kind of drive offense and and grab hold of a game. And, and at this point... You know, I, you feel like he's kind of running out of time training camp-wise here. And, you know, if something doesn't happen, that's going to make their decision much easier to, to to just say, you know, okay, well, these are probably the 13, you know, we're going to start with, including Brett Howden. And, you know, we'll go from there and, and see what they do down in Henderson. Yeah, it'll be interesting to
0: track kind of their progression even through the rest of uh, the season because they are at different points of their career, like, you know Peyton Krebs. I think obviously a lot of uh, fans want to see him get an NHL opportunity because he was you know a first round pick. He got a quick look last year before uh, breaking his jaw, and you know we did a whole story at ReviewJournal.com about kind of his recovery process and you know the fact that he stayed with Ryan Reeves kind of during that trained with Max Pacioretty uh, this offseason. You can read all about that uh, on our website, but he ultimately still is a very young player. He's only 20 years old. He has a lot of developing to do. And whether that takes place, obviously in the AHL this season or in the NHL are more likely a mixture of both is still to be determined. But I think it's clear that, you know, Krebs isn't a finished product yet. And, you know, in a roster kind of as deep as the one that the Knights have now, especially up front, uh, it's not necessarily the end of the world that he kind of can't crack that roster right away. And I still don't think it's the end of the world for Dugan either. And certainly he will have a chance to impress and Henderson where he had a very good rookie year, if he indeed starts down there, but you've written, you know, you wrote a story in rookie camp, Dave, about how he kind of feels, you know, all right, the clock is, you know, ticking a little bit. He, his entry-level deal kind of expires at the end of this year. He's 23 years old, it kind of does feel like it's getting close to, um, you know, time for him, but there's, you know, still kind of the same refrain that we hear about him kind of over and over where like the Pete DeBoer mentions, Hey, this is a guy that needs to work on his play away from the puck. You know, you mentioned, you know, Manny Viveros, uh, we wrote a story last year about how they're working on Dugan to, you know, mix up his offense a little bit. So he's not just a pass only Guy, And that way the teams can, you know, respect, uh, you know, the different layers that he can bring to his game. And he's had, I believe, one shot on goal through two preseason games. So that's a work in progress. So it will be kind of interesting to see how this kind of shakes out for these guys, you know, if they go down. But ultimately, you know, the Knights have a uh, extremely deep forward group. I mean, you've got a guy in Evgeny Dadnov who scored 28 goals in a season twice, and he's on your third line. So it's not the end of the line for those two guys and their development if they can't crack the roster. Uh, But I want to switch gears real quick and talk about the Knights' uh, number one goalie, who, of course, is Robin Leonard. Uh, I'm going to start with the important stuff, Dave, and the important question, uh, which is uh, apparently Leonard got a bunch of snakes in Mark Stone's pool. Uh, You wrote the story, so I'm kind of going to defer to you to retell it, but can you just like take our listeners through uh, the absurdity of uh, this story and how it came about in uh, training camp?
1: Well, I'm not sure I can do as well a uh, good of a job as Mark Stone did. That's for sure. I mean, that was like a stand-up comedy routine from the captain. It was great. So, okay, I'll try to set <clears throat> try to set the scene a little bit here, where we're all in the media room, we're talking to Mark Stone, and you know, one of the obvious topics. You know, in training camp, as you mentioned, Robin Leonard being the new number one goalie. And, you know, Mark Stone and Robin Leonard go way back, you know, back to the Ottawa organization. Uh, they've known each other a long time. So, you know, one of the questions obviously came up to Mark Stone about Robin Leonard. and Just, you know, maybe maybe some of the things we don't know about him. You know, what kind of, what kind of guy he is in the locker room. And, oh, well, there we go. You know, the, the can of worms is open at that point. Or, I guess, can of snakes because... Uh, the captain then proceeds to tell us a great story about Robin Leonard being a snake expert, which I had no no idea about, reptiles and all that stuff. Apparently, uh, he's like, what's that guy, Coyote Peterson or whatever his name is? Uh, I, I don't know. but So the story goes that Mark Stone hosted a year-end party after the Golden Knights lost to Montreal. In the playoffs, kind of everybody, you know, one last get together and then everybody scatters, you know, to the winds and, and has their off season. Excuse me. So apparently at that party, Robin Leonard was coming up with the bright idea that he wanted to scare Ryan Reeves, who apparently doesn't like snakes and everybody who, you know, lives in Vegas. If you live up in Summerlin, which, you know, most of the players do. Yeah. You know, you hop the, the fence in your backyard and you're pretty much on the desert. Well, it sounds like Robin Leonard went out and hopped the fence and went poking around in, uh, out in the middle of, uh, of the rocks and, and digging through the snake holes and, and trying to find, as he said on you know, some of the later podcasts, he was actually looking for a rattlesnake. He was ready to walk in there with like a full-on viper and stick it in, uh, in Ryan Reese's face. <laughs> so apparently he came up, uh, came up with goose eggs, didn't, didn't find any snakes. But as Mark Stone said, a week later, five of them showed up in his pool. So, I don't know what kind of snake action or whatever that Robin Leonard stirred up out there, but apparently something got going. Apparently, they all showed up in Mark Stone's pool. And clearly, this is going to be a topic that we talk about for a long time because now I'm going to i, I really want to know about Robin Leonard being like, you know, this reptile expert and whether he has any at home or what.
0: Yeah, I just have so many. Questions and really, you know, Stone provided at least a peek, you know, behind the curtain as to, but I feel like there's so much more going on there that we just don't know about. And I'm or fasc- gotta be, yeah. fascinated to learn. So uh, I hope Leonard is prepared for zero hockey questions the next time he has to uh, stand in front of a podium and uh, talk to uh, us lovely media folks. Um, I wasn't because we talked to Leonard a couple days uh, before stone. And so we did not know yet that we had to ask him about snakes. But uh, one topic that came up uh, quite a bit with him then was just, you know, his body. He looks a lot different entering training camp uh, this year. You know, he's lost uh, quite a bit of weight. He's slimmed down. He doesn't know exactly how much weight he's lost because he said, you know, he hasn't stood on a scale in years, which obviously I can respect that energy and you know i totally can relate to not wanting to step on a weight scale and see uh, what your weight actually is but you know it was interesting hearing him talk about it dave and kind of go into his reasoning uh for why he you know kind of made that one of his focuses uh this off season so what did you kind of make of the uh, newer slimmer robin leonard yeah
1: i mean i thought his his explanation his reasonings behind it were interesting as well i mean you know, jokingly, obviously he said his wife likes him sl- slim down. So you know, I'm sure there's the benefits at home and all that. You know, happy wife, happy life, all that good stuff, which I'm sure you're going to learn about soon, right? I would uh, think so. <laughs> um, you know, but what I found interesting, especially, was what he talked about and sort of the impact. You know, with him as a goalie, uh, he he made it out like he was significantly heavy you know, the last few years and had to adjust his game. And, you know, I think back to that comment that he made last year about, you know, his style being calculated cheating, you know, and him sort of staying deep in his crease, relying on his reads, you know, and, and almost being ahead of the play, you know, guessing, I, that, that's sort of, you know, my interpretation of that phrase essentially is, you know, calculated risks, calculated, you know, just being ahead of it, guessing what's going to happen. And, You know, his style of play was obviously effective, but he mentioned, excuse me again, you know, that if he wanted to continue, if he wanted to play out, you know, after his contract, which was going to be up in four years, that he couldn't continue at that weight. It wasn't going to work as, you know, a big lumbering kind of hit me goalie. Uh, That's something that the Golden Knights had talked about, you know, and I brought up on this podcast before in the context of Marc-Andre Fleury and when he signed his contract extension after the first year here in Vegas, and they they said, you know, his age and the style, you know, it was conducive to him continuing to play well, that he wasn't a big lumbering hit-me-going. And that's what Robin Leonard was at the you know, I'm gonna guess probably he was in the 260, 270 range. Like if he's listed at 240. And he's talking about getting wanting to get down to probably, you know, 230, 235. Like he had to be up around 260, 270, like defensive end type size, you know, on a six four, six five type frame. You know, so to see him and the pictures, you know, from you know, his trainer over at, at Syndicate MMA and the work that they've done, like it was noticeable. It's noticeable in his face, it was noticeable, you know, when he stood up at the podium. And even though he was in, you know, kind of a skate suit and a little bit baggy, like it he just looked different. He looked happy. He was joking with us. He, you could tell that he was in a good place. And, and so it'll be interesting because he talked about the adjustments that he has to make on the ice. You know, he's going to be quicker. He's going to be getting the spots earlier. And, and there's going to be some adjustments that he has to make. because He's going to overplay, you know, certain things because he's there you know, a little bit, a little bit sooner than he's used to. We'll see how it affects him. But, you know, if nothing else, whether he wants to admit it or not, I, I think it shows he understands, you know, the importance of this season and the opportunity, you know, that's in front of him as, as a true number one goalie. And I think he wanted to show that commitment and, and come in and be prepared and be ready. Yeah, we haven't seen Leonard play a preseason game yet.
0: But as you mentioned, it'll be, you know, kind of interesting to see how he moves in the net now. But uh, certainly, obviously, he's got a huge opportunity in front of him. And as a guy who has, of course, been a Vezina finalist before and has won two Jennings trophies, he's certainly uh, in a good position to capitalize on it. Uh, well, we'll kind of, you know, keep uh, monitoring that and so many other storylines uh, during the the preseason because unfortunately, we are still almost two weeks away from the Knights season opener on October 12th against the Seattle Kraken. Uh, you know, first week of training camp is exciting, but I think at this point, uh, all of us and probably a lot of players are kind of itching to, you know, hit the fast forward button a little bit and get that first game going. But of course, we'll be back next week with all. Our you know new training camp and preseason observations, and do a little bit of uh, season preview stuff with the opener coming right around the corner. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everyone. As a reminder, we are brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. We are presented by Blue Wire. Um, once again, please check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com. A lot of the topics we hit on today, including the snake story, Robin Leonard slimming down, his new goalie partner, Laurent Francois. We have stories on all those topics on the website, so I highly encourage you uh, to read them. And of course, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do podcasts, please do this one. We would very much appreciate it. Uh, I'm Ben Ghost, he's Dave Shane, we are The Golden Age Podcast. I'll talk to you guys again real soon.